I felt like I was on an escalator and then I was just being guided without any information. Now I know that I could have looked on the internet, looked up the symptoms, looked at neurologists, find out exactly what is an MRI. Back then in 2009, I was 100% relying on whatever the doctor said. And I would just go with that information and thinking that that's the best for me. And now I know that there's just oh so many different support groups. Everyone has a story to tell, and we invite you to join us for the Multiple Sclerosis Diagnosis Journey podcast and listen to these unique stories. Greetings, and welcome to the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. I'm your host, Laura Koloskowski, and with me today is Nora Gutierrez. Hi, Nora. Hi, Laura. Nice to be here. I'm so glad you decided you could join us and share your story about what it took to get your diagnosis for MS. Could you begin maybe by talking about what was physically wrong with you that sent you to a doctor? Yes. I remember it was the summer, like June, and I had to begin training classes. Um, I was an instructor and I had to be there really early, like seven in the morning. And I noticed that while I was doing the training, my feet would get tingling. And so I said, okay, let me take off the heel. So I thought maybe it was the heel. So I started with the flat shoes and then the tingling went all the way up to started going up to my knees and I felt numbness. And I thought, well, maybe I, I uh, attributed it to maybe the linoleum floor. It wasn't very conducive to the training. And weeks went by, I had to do like, I think four, four consecutive weeks of training. And instead of the tingling or the numbness going away, now it went all the way up to my hips and it just wasn't going away. And as it went up to my hips, I got kind of worried. So um, that's when I decided to go see my primary specialist. It's funny how it takes a symptom worsening. Lots of times we can adjust and say, okay, we're not going to wear high heels, we'll wear flats, or maybe it's the floor I stand on and we make adjustments or make excuses for our symptoms instead of listening Mm -hmm. to them. And sometimes it takes something more significant like yours moving up to your waist to say, uh, we need to stop and figure this out. So then you went to the doctor and what, what did your physician have to say? Um, Well, at first, because after three weeks, four weeks, I said, okay, let me just go in. And um, the facility that I had, they had an urgent care. And so I went to see the urgent care because I wasn't able to get an appointment with my primary. And unfortunately, I didn't have a real positive experience there. That physician um, attributed the numbness to possibly my keys being placed in my pocket or I'm sitting on certain things. And so very nicely, I said to him, I have a purse. I never put anything in my pockets. And he basically said, well, it should go away. So I wasn't very happy with that um, first initial response. And so unfortunately, I did get an appointment with my primary. And so I thought, well, maybe because the numbness just continued. Now it's been going on like for six weeks. And um, the day of my appointment with her, she was awesome. She she did all these tests, like movements, as she took blood um, sample. And I was in there for about an hour and a half, and I was kind of getting scared 
you know, is this diabetes? Is this, and eventually maybe I'd like for you to go to the emergency room. And I said to her, no, I cannot. I have an eight-year-old daughter. I can't leave her alone. I was at the time um, living with my parents as a single mom, but I just, I just knew that that wasn't uh, where I wanted to go. And so what she decided was, well, let's send you, let's get some diagnostic tests. Let's send you to the neurologist and have the neurologist uh, perhaps perform some MRIs. So this was like about two months, three months after your first symptoms appeared? Yes, exactly. And uh, I know that I was highly stressed because at the time, I was also unfortunately going through a divorce. And then uh, we found out that her father would be moving out of out of state. So I would be 100% responsible for making sure that I was there for my daughter. So when she said going to the emergency room, it, it just added more stress to me. And um, I said, no, that that just was not going to be appropriate at the time. So do you remember how long it took you to get in then for an appointment with a neurologist? Um, their office was awesome. They, it was, it's a, it's like a um, medical facility that has their own referrals to specialists. So it was about two to three weeks that I was able to make an appointment with a neurologist. And then after the neurologist, um, she said that she was going to send me to two. One, which is the MRI for the thoracic, the back, and then MRI for brain. And um, the first one was the thoracic. So I went into the MRI machine. That was the first time I went into like what I call a little submarine. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, and fortunately, I'm not claustrophobic. Um, it was really tight. So I decided to close my eyes and the banging was prior to this. I've heard of an MRI, but I really didn't know what it was. And I didn't look up any information about what are, what is an MRI? What are the sounds? What are the side effects? I, I, I was just following the recommendations. And um, that first one did seem like it took forever to be in that, in that little submarine. Um, but I, I came out and then about two to three weeks later, I had to go to a different facility to get the brain MRI. And that one, they were both enclosed. They were not open MRI machines. And that one was, to me, was... Uh, a, a little stressful because I had to wear what I call a cage around my head and I obviously couldn't move. And so that one to me, I felt more, more uh, enclosed because of the, because of the brain cage. That's what I call it. I find it interesting. They could not do both at the same time in the same machine, but what year was this? Do you remember? Yes, it was 2009. Okay. And um, it was, yeah, and it was two different facilities. Um, one was for, for just the back. And then the other one was at the hospital, like an um, off. Yeah, it was at, it was at the hospital for the brain. Mm-hmm. And so what did they learn from your MRIs then? That I had lesions. Um, so once the results were submitted to the neurologist, I, I went back to see her. And this time, because I'm, I'm assuming I was going to 
get a diagnosis. I didn't want to be there by myself at that point. Um, I don't know if it was my primary or maybe a friend that said, go with a family member, go with someone, because if you do um, hear the diagnosis, you may miss out on some of the information. Or So then I asked my sister to come with me. And um, I, by this time, this is like now September. So this is beginning, like the, the, the symptoms started probably like around in June and September is my birthday. So I just, my birthday month. So I decided, let me do it on my birthday. So I'll never forget the day that I was diagnosed. So my, my sister and I went and it was a little, now that I look back, the waiting room was kind of small and her office was small and, and didn't have a lot of MS. It, it had pamphlets about a lot of just a general, I guess, neurological office. So we went in and she said, your MRI show that you have lesions. And then I don't really remember exactly how she presented it. All I know is, as I remember hearing that it seems that you have multiple sclerosis. I had no idea what that, that was. She might've explained it, but when I heard that word, I just, I just kind of like froze. I know, I know she was talking, but I really didn't didn't grasp. And so since they had performed two MRIs, I wanted, because I had the CDs. So I wanted to take a look at it. I wanted to see, cause I'm a person that I like, the only way I learn is by hearing, watching and touching. Well, obviously I couldn't touch my lesions, but I wanted to see them. So I asked her if she could please show me that here, I have the two CDs, you, you've looked at them. And then she said, well, sometimes you really can't see them on the CD. And that response didn't leave me very, very uh, comforting because wait, you're diagnosing me and you're telling me you can't see them. So what is it that you're really using to make this diagnosis? Had magic superpower um, or something to be able to see <laughs> something that wasn't there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Where we were, we were in the patient waiting office. We went into her office and I felt like a little disappointed because her monitoring computer was much smaller than my monitoring computer at home. I'm going, wait a second. So she put in the CD and it just, it was, you couldn't see, you really could not see from her screen. And so I thought, well, she was accurate. She couldn't see it from her screen. So um, (laughs) I said to myself, there's MRI technicians. I think they're radiologists. And so they, I'm sure they did a report. They determined that. And she's just following up on that diagnosis. And then the next thing I remember her saying is that, and there's medicine for this and it's an injectable. And then she was telling me about, it would be just beneath the skin. And now I know it means subcutaneous. And but then she was telling us about her ordeal where she had to put shots into her muscles. And I kind of zoned out. I said, I really don't want to hear about your you know, injectables. I want to know about me. And so she said, it'll take about two months to get approval. And, um, and then this was the medicine. So she told me which one um, uh, that she wanted to, uh, that she wanted me to use so that it wasn't like an option of these are all the ones that there are available and perhaps start you off on A or B. She just automatically told me, this is the one that I prescribed for you. And once the insurance approves it, then you'll be getting it and you'll, and the, um, the company and the nurse will call you. Well, I would hope that in today's advanced state with having 22 drugs available now instead of the four that were available when you were diagnosed, that 
all physicians meeting with patients are doing a shared decision-making and offering options of which, which treatment you might want to take, which is going to best fit your lifestyle, as opposed to just telling you this is what you should take. Yes, exactly. And because I was still, that day I, I was, now the numbness was in my brain because I really wasn't thinking clearly or asking uh-huh. a lot of questions. I was just listening to her and then in shock. And when she told me multiple sclerosis, my first thought is how soon am I going to be in a wheelchair? That that was like my first thought. And then secondly, I'm thinking how, you know, I have an eight-year-old daughter, you know, I, I, I want to be able to do things with her. I want to be able to work. I want to be able. So I was in shock of that, of the news of what does that really mean? And then I asked her, because I, as a trainer, I want to learn things. I want to go out. I want to meet people. I, I, I like support groups. So I asked her, do you know of any support groups, any other individuals who, who have MS? And um, her response was, well, I don't think that would be real advisable for you right now. You know, you're going to see them in wheelchairs or walkers, and maybe that's not something that you'd really want to see. I wasn't happy with that response either. So that that left me even more, you know, is she telling me that very shortly I will be on a walker? I will be in a wheelchair? That response to me was not was not very helpful or comforting. Kind of silent at this, Nora, because I'm I'm stunned that someone would say you don't want to be around other people with MS for fear mm-hmm. that it might discourage you, though I understand that thinking a little bit. So you didn't know what multiple sclerosis was. You got blindsided mm-hmm. by this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You had doctors who said, oh, take the keys out of your pocket or you're sitting incorrectly or whatever, who didn't really want mm-hmm. to look at your symptoms seriously. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's something you could have done differently in this diagnosis process to get there sooner or knowing what you know now? Yes. I'm uh, stuttering or I'm a silent because I think I might've had prior symptoms. And like we talked earlier, I might've reasoned them away saying, oh, there was other things going on. And that's why, like, I remember having like numbness around my stomach. And then I even remember going, my daughter was maybe two. So, so eight. So it was probably like six years earlier. And I remember having numbness on my, on my upper thighs and I went to the primary, the different one, and she took a whole bunch of tests and they couldn't find anything. They, they said no. And then by that time, the numbness went away. So I said, okay, well, maybe it was, uh, I was sleeping wrong, uh, things like that. But this time in 2009, if I would have probably looked up neurologists, and really focused on, um, for me, like what are these ailments and, and went on the internet and did my own kind of like a advocate for myself as opposed to just, I felt like I was on an escalator and then I was just being guided without any specific information. And so now I know that I could have looked on the internet, looked up the symptoms, looked at neurologists, find out exactly what is an MRI when, when she said, you know, we're going to send you to these tests. Because back then in 2009, I was 100% relying on whatever the doctor said. And I would just go 
with that information and thinking that that's the best for me. And now I know that there are one support groups and different, oh my goodness, there's for newly diagnosed, there, there's just oh so many different support groups. And there's also different medications. So there's also injectables as well as the oral and there's infusion. And I think one of the things now that I know, I, I would have gone once they told me about the multiple sclerosis diagnosis, I would have gone to an MS center, individuals who specialize, which eventually a year and a half later, I did do that. I I went to a neurologist that did specialize in MS and um, the conversation with the neurologist, he took his time and showed me the previous MRIs and showed me what lesions was and, and explained all that. So in terms of receiving a diagnosis, the information that's out there now is readily available. Um, and you can definitely talk to different patients and individuals that will definitely help you. Usually, Nora, at this point, when I'm talking to people, I ask if you have advice for people who are on their own diagnosis journey, but you kind of summed a lot up right there. But is there anything else you would add to someone that's doing this own search for answers? That there's so many organizations regarding multiple sclerosis and, and locally, internationally. And I really want to get involved in helping individuals when they're newly diagnosed to be aware that there are so many other support groups besides maybe the local ones. And now with this, unfortunately with COVID, we are now very um, virtually oriented that you can log on to many different, what I call MS events and learn more about your symptoms and also have a click or, or a group of other MS individuals that you can also rely on and call upon. There you have it, folks. We've been listening to Nora Gutierrez and her story about her MS diagnosis journey. If you listen closely, you found that she had lots of symptoms, lots of doctors who looked at her and kind of dismissed her and kept showing her the door, but she stuck with it and finally got the answers and is now connected with a neurologist who specializes in MS and who she has a good relationship with. So Nora, I'd really like to thank you for joining us. Is there anything any final thought you want to share with us today? First of all, I want to thank you that I'm able to talk about it because it does help me to go back and go, wow, look how much things have progressed in the field and how much information there, there is for newly diagnosed individuals and always be active either physically, mentally, and that, that there's current research that is going on to help the newly diagnosed MS individuals. Thank you again for sharing your story. And for everyone else, I remind you, be sure to subscribe to the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast, um, where you get your podcasts and you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks, Nora, and have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs>